0: My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast...
1: It's as simple as drizzling it over prosciutto, goat cheese, or figs as a first course. You could pour it over vanilla ice cream with strawberries for dessert. It's limitless, right? It's kind of like with the olive oil. You choose your adventure. You choose your fun. But basically, whatever you're cooking, this takes it to the next level. That's like the goal and kind of gets you, you know, reinvigorated in the kitchen.
0: Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. All right, let's talk ketosis. When your body turns out ketones, it is a state of metabolic efficiency, mental clarity, improved athletic performance, better metabolic health. The reason for that is that ketones are 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone. That means you can do more with less. And ketones are usually made when your body's pushed to the limits, when it's deprived of carbs, when it's fasted, when it's had a whole, whole bunch of fat, coconut oil and butter and all the things. But you can also, using the magic of science, shift yourself very rapidly into a state of ketosis that you'd normally have to fast for days to get into by supplementing with liquid ketones. You can usually drink ketones to do this. And there's one form of ketone brain fuel called ketone IQ, fittingly enough. And it is literally, quite literally, brain fuel. None of the insulin spikes or caffeine jitters or mid-afternoon energy crashes you get from most energy drinks. You just fuel with Ketone IQ one serving of this stuff, and it shifts you into the state of ketosis that you want, again, without being fasted or restricting carbohydrates. So it's almost like you to have your cake and eat it too. Or if you're already into ketosis and you want to put the icing on the cake and get even deeper into ketosis, this stuff works fantastically for that too. It's made by HVMN. They created this stuff through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships with some of the top researchers in the ketone industry. It's a cutting-edge drink, and you get 20% off. Here's how. Go to hvmn.com and use code BENG20. That gets you 20% off any purchase of Ketone IQ. That's an exclusive offer for my listeners only, hvmn.com forward slash Ben G. It's called Ketone IQ by HVMN. All right. If you're a biohacker who's looking for the newest cutting edge products to push your brain and body to the Total out of limits of what's possible. You got to check out Nootopia, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A, Nootopia, the most powerful nootropics on the market today. They're taking the industry by storm, these stacks of nootropics, because they're safe, they're legal, they're highly effective. You probably saw the movie Limitless. It's like that. You take the right formulas at the right times, and you can focus intensely, block out distractions, reduce stress and anxiety, enhance your creativity, boost your memory a whole lot more. And The best part is all their formulas come with a full one-year guarantee. So there's zero risk for you to try them for yourself. So here's the deal. If you feel like you're not fully maximizing your potential, whether personally or professionally, then you owe it to yourself to try Newtopia's formulas. They're a total game changer, and they're going to give you 10% off of any of them. Here's how you go to newtopia.com forward slash Ben that's N O O T O P I A.com slash Ben and use code Ben one zero to get 10% off of any order. That's newtopia.com slash Ben and use code Ben one zero to get 10% off of any order. Do it. You'll thank me later. One of my favorite ways these days to strengthen my immune system and optimize my recovery is by getting in my clear light sauna. It's a clear light infrared sauna. Helps you create heat shock proteins that stimulate cell repair and help to rebuild muscles faster and protect against degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And most people aren't aware of the essential role that these heat shock proteins play in immune function too, which is really nice. This time of year when their sickness is going around, it allows your immune system to react more quickly and efficiently to viruses and pathogens. It helps to inhibit viral replication and decrease levels of inflammatory cytokines while at the same time, The heat increases nitric oxide production in the body, which also has antiviral effects. Now, what I have at my house is a clear light sanctuary sauna because I can get a whole bunch of my friends in there. We can sit around, we can chat, we can burn incense and sprinkle essential oils like little hippies all over the place. But we're also guilt-free because all the clear light saunas, unlike many of the saunas out there that basically microwave you while you're inside of them, these ones have EMF and ELF shielding. So you're not exposing your body to harmful, dirty electricity, and they come with a lifetime warranty which is the ultimate guarantee of a quality product. And these things are high quality. So you get their complete line that you can check out at Clearlight Saunas when you go to HealWithHeat.com. HealWithHeat.com. Mention code BEN for extra discount and free shipping. That's HealWithHeat.com. Mention my name, Ben, for a smoking hot deal and free shipping. Hey, so I've talked before on the podcast about how I get these olive oils, like uh, artisanal olive oils, they're called from this place called the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club sent to me on a quarterly basis. And they're really great. Like, I use them to dress up my entire diet. And it's really good, unadulterated olive oil. I, I liked them so much. I did a podcast with their founder, TJ Robinson, called The, the Olive Oil Hunter. It's a pretty badass name or a badass uh, moniker. And so we had a fantastic discussion. And then, like, two months ago, I get this package from TJ and I thought it was olive oils. I open it. It wasn't. It was vinegars. Like these four different sensational vinegars. Like handpicked by TJ. And they were like acidic and sweet and tart. And in this whole variety of different kind of like versions. I didn't even realize so many different versions of vinegar existed, but there's like a pear balsamic vinegar and a calamansi gourmet vinegar, and this a uh, condimento balsamico de Modena vinegar, which I think is another form of a balsamic vinegar, a vinaigre di bagnus, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this one was just like super bright and tart and Italian vinegar. And I enjoyed them immensely. And later found out that TJ, kind of similar to what he's done with the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club, is now doing a Vinegar Club. So anyways, I decided that I want to interview TJ about vinegars, like how to use them, what kind of recipes to use vinegar in, the versatility of vinegar, how to do like your own marinades and glazes and sauces. And I have just really enjoyed the process of learning vinegar. But the thing is, there are health aspects of vinegar that I think more people should know about. And I started to dive into it to prepare to interview TJ and thought, holy cow, there's so much here. So what I thought would be fun was for me to give you like a background on the medicinal uses, particularly the anti-glycemic effects of vinegar, but a lot more for vinegar before I actually get TJ on and take a deep dive into a lot more of the culinary aspects of vinegar. So the show notes for everything that you're going to hear, my my own descriptions for you and background of vinegar, all the way down to my fascinating discussion with TJ, you're going to find it bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast. So here we go. First of all, TJ is going to share a little bit more about how the vinegars are made at the specific farms that we talk about. But vinegar, that actually comes from a French word, vinagre. That means sour wine. And you can make vinegar from pretty much anything you can ferment. So you can make it from wine, molasses, dates, apples, pears, grapes, maple syrup, potatoes, beets, like freaking whey, coconut, honey, you name it. So initially, yeasts will ferment – any of the food sugars in any of those products I mentioned to alcohol. But then what they do is they add bacteria. It's called acetic acid bacteria. That converts the alcohol to, of all things, acetic acid and commercial vinegar is made by either a fast or a slow fermentation process. So for the fast fermentation process, that liquid gets oxygenated by agitating it, and then the bacterial culture is submerged and that allows for the rapid fermentation. Then for the slow vinegar method, which is usually used for things like wine vinegars, that's where they grow the acetic acid bacteria on the surface of the liquid and the fermentation takes weeks or sometimes months. But that longer fermentation period allows for the accumulation of this non-toxic like slime that's basically yeast and acetic acid bacteria. And it's known as the mother. You might have seen the mother before if you've had kombucha. That's a popular like vinegar-like drinking compound, a fermented compound. And it has this this mother in it. And that's the yeast and the acetic acid bacteria. So a lot of manufacturers of vinegars will filter and pasteurize the final vinegar product before bottling it to prevent the mother from forming. Because a lot of people don't like that almost like gooey booger-like substance in their vinegar. But... That's where it comes from. So most of the cool properties of vinegar arise from the presence of that acetic acid, that organic acids responsible for the tart flavor and the pungent kind of like biting odor of vinegars. But acetic acid is not itself vinegar. Okay. You can't just like dilute acetic acid and call it vinegar because vinegar also has vitamins and minerals and mineral salts and amino acids and polyphenols like Caffeic acid and catechin and other health compounds you might have heard of, and even non-volatile organic acids like tartaric acid and citric acid and malic acid and lactic acid. Now, There's a whole bunch of different kinds of vinegars, too, and TJ will get into this with us, but you've got, you know, basically herbal vinegars. That's like wine vinegars or white distilled vinegars, and they'll typically season those with things like garlic or basil or tarragon or cinnamon or clove or nutmeg. Then there's fruit vinegars, which are wine and white vinegars that they'll sweeten with fruit juice to give you, like, a sweet, sour taste. And then you've got balsamic vinegars, and that would be like in Italy, they'll make that from grapes, which gets harvested super late, fermented slowly, and then aged in different kinds of wood. You might, with uh, like Asian vinegars, be familiar with rice wine vinegar, that's made in Asia, or coconut vinegar made in India or the Philippines, or date vinegars are very popular in the Middle East, but all these are just examples Of ways that you can take this acetic acid and modify it to create vinegar. Some of the medicinal uses, some of the things I want you to know about before we get into the culinary aspects with TJ. So first of all, vinegar has a really good effect for fighting infection. This dates all the way back to Hippocrates back in 400 to 300 BC, the father of modern medicine, who would actually recommend vinegar for cleaning things like ulcers and sores. And it's used all the way up to physicians in, in modern day. You know, in many cases, uh, for example, they would uh, formulate what's called oxymel, which is this popular ancient medicine. And that was used for coughs and still works very well for coughs. It's just a mix of honey. And you typically mix four parts honey with one part vinegar. And that's an amazing cough syrup that you can just make at home if you you know don't have the time to go buy the overpriced you know cough drops at the whole paycheck. So... That's one way that you can use vinegar in addition to using it topically, but it's also used as a household disinfectant. Like We use it a lot to clean our kitchen and our bathrooms at the Greenfield House. Unlike bleach solutions, it doesn't really cause as much damage. You can even swish with it in the mouth for uh, an anti-infective type of treatment in the mouth. You can use it for insect stings, for jellyfish stings, for nail fungus, for head lice, for warts. Like there are so many topical applications for vinegar. It's one of those things that's just like kind of like oil of oregano is one thing that's always in the greenfield medicine cabinet. Vinegar is also a big component of our home medicine cabinet. Now, the topical effects of vinegar are not the only medicinal effect. It also has some really powerful cardiovascular effects. A lot of people are familiar with taking a shot of vinegar before you have a meal to keep blood pressure or blood sugar low, and that works. But vinegar also lowers blood pressure. You can actually consume vinegar on a regular basis, and they've done studies on this, and found reductions in what's called renin activity and aldosterone concentration, leading to a direct drop in blood pressure and management or support of healthy blood pressure with the regular consumption of vinegar. It may also affect like the calcium absorption in the colon. That, That could be why it's having an effect as well on blood pressure but they have reported a lower risk for fatal ischemic heart disease among participants in this huge nurse's health study who had uh, oil and vinegar salad dressing frequently. Obviously, there's a lot of other crap you can get in salad dressing, but the idea of just like taking, and and TJ will probably talk about this, I'm guessing, but extra virgin olive oil with just like some of his artisanal vinegars, mixing that together and having that on the counter, you know, with some sourdough bread or or some salad, for example, amazing for its cardiovascular and blood pressure lowering effect. Now, vinegar also has anti tumor activities. They've noted tumor regression in rodent models who have pre-existing cancer, particularly colon cancer, who frequently consume a vinegar medium. Now, I have not talked to anyone who's ever done like a vinegar enema. That might burn a little bit. I'm not saying to put up the butt, but regular consumption of these bacterial fermented vinegars seems to help the colon, especially when it also has dietary fiber, produce more short-chain fatty acids and more butyrate, which allows for better cell differentiation and better health in the colonic flora. Vinegars are also a really, really good source of polyphenols, which I mentioned earlier, and that might also be why vinegar is associated with this strong anti-cancer effect that you'd also associate with things like fruits and vegetables and wine and coffee and chocolate. And you know, because those are so commonly used in the prevention of cancers, as well as cardiovascular disease, I think that vinegar can be added to that list of foods for the polyphenol aspects of vinegar for disease risk, lowering for a lot of different chronic diseases. So next is the blood sugar control works like gangbusters. I mean, obviously there's lots of expensive supplements out there like Berberine, my company Keon, we make Keon lean, which has bitter melon extract in it and some other vinegar like compounds that can help to lower blood sugar after a meal. Metformin is another popular one. Dihydrobebrine is another popular one. But frankly, if you've already got vinegar in your cabinet, you have a pretty cheap solution. I know it's not the tastiest, but you have a pretty cheap solution that you can literally grab a shot glass from your cocktail cabinet, put the vinegar in it, shoot that back anytime before you have carbohydrates. And I wear a continuous blood glucose monitor so I can speak to the effectiveness of this. It really does lower blood sugar. And the reason that they think that is, is the acetic acid apparently helps the metabolizing of a lot of different forms of sugar like sucrase and lactase and maltase. And so essentially it's acting as like a blood glucose disposal agent by affecting the enzymes that help to digest these carbohydrates. I mean, that that's why it's kind of cool. You could like take bread, dip it in a vinegar medium and lower the ability of that bread to be able to raise your blood glucose, which would also of course cause you to become fuller in a faster period of time and would also lower a lot of the potential health effects of having chronically elevated blood glucose so the glycemic effect of vinegar is pretty cool too and again it's literally as simple as just like taking a shot right before you have a meal and in most cases apple cider vinegar seems to be very effective for that but some of tj's vinegars like his pear vinegar i can get a similar effect with and i think it tastes a lot better and i suspect the polyphenol content might be higher Now, of course, talking about the medical aspects of vinegar when it comes to lowering blood pressure, lowering cancer risk, having an anti-glycemic effects, being used for cleaning, being used for topical infections or funguses, etc. That's all cool, but the flavor profile and the way that you can use vinegar from a culinary standpoint is also fantastic. Not all vinegar is created equal. I can't wait for you to hear from TJ About these vinegars that he's now just like the fresh pressed olive oil club allowing for you to have delivered to your house on a quarterly basis. And it's like right up there with one of my favorite culinary shipments. Now when I get TJ's vinegar and when I get like my Kalima salt and when I get TJ's olive oil, these are all things that just make life freaking better from a culinary standpoint. So that all being said, let's jump in and talk to TJ Robinson, the olive oil hunter who I suppose is now the vinegar hunter. All right, folks. Well, as promised, we're moving on to the actual interview with my culinary expert on this podcast, T. Jay Robinson. Like I mentioned, he's known as the olive oil hunter, but I have now come to know him as I suppose the vinegar hunter too. I don't know if that rolls off the tongue quite as well, but TJ is actually known for his palate. I mean, he's judged in Italian olive oil tasting competitions. He's been importing this rare fresh pressed olive oil that's super flavorful and healthful, extra virgin olive oil for years now. And like I mentioned, I've, I've been a customer for, gosh, I, th- I think almost 10 years now with the olive oils. And uh, of course, the only sad part is when we run out, which we occasionally do, because we go through a lot of olive oil as a family. we got to go to the grocery store and buy olive oil. It's like a night and day difference as far as the pungent and the flavor and the, the aroma and, and everything else. So we're kind of spoiled with olive oil. But anyways, I'm going to link to, if you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast, an article as well as a podcast on the whole olive oil thing, because we're not going to focus on olive oil today, as I know you've already Gathered. We're going to focus on vinegar because TJ knows a lot about vinegar, and uh, he's just been just blowing the, the the socks off my palate. I'm just going to make up that metaphor uh, with these vinegars that he's been sending. So everything that you hear, if you're interested in getting this vinegar, we set up a URL for you. It's greenfieldpantry.com that gets you the four bottle set of vinegar. Uh, you don't need a membership or anything like that. And it's, it's a fantastic deal they set up over there. So greenfieldpantry.com. Then all the show notes are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast. So TJ, first of all, welcome back to the show. And second of all, what happened? You just get bored with olive oil here?
1: That's hilarious. No, I did not get bored. I'm really happy to be back. I can't thank you enough for all your support of the Olive Oil Club. Olive oil is one of those things that really goes hand in hand with vinegar. (laughs) Like It's like a match made in heaven.
0: Yeah. Well, duh. For anybody who's had the bread on the table with the the dipping bowl and the vinegar and the olive oil, it's kind of like turkeys and cranberry. And if the vinegar's not there, it's still pretty good, but... For For me, the vinegar, the olive oil, and then if it's a really, really great day, there's also a little bit of raw honey and a little bit of salt out and I can literally just like sit down to my wife's fermented sourdough bread and just just crush it with that alone.
1: absolutely. well you really in those those items you've collected, you've got amazing fat, and you know we know that fat that fat adds a lot of flavor and also texture to our food and health benefits. There's acid, which really could be anything from lemon juice to, you mentioned, cranberries with turkey. Cranberries, acid, think acid, right? We're thinking about a category here that vinegar falls in and under, and also great salt. You know, you mentioned that. You love great salt in the intro, which you did a fantastic job in the intro. You really laid the groundwork and did a lot of the heavy lifting, but, you know, Really getting into it and, you know, why I got interested in vinegar, I travel a lot. I'm into cultures. I'm into cuisines. My work for as the olive oil hunter, which I've been doing for a few decades now, takes me to amazing regions where not only grapes are grown, but also Uh, Olives, olives and grapes. So both are planted there and other fruits as well. So essentially, I'm in these areas exploring the cuisine and the culture. And a lot of times when vinaigrettes are made, whether people are deglazing pans or whether they're marinating or saucing or pickling or drizzling or finishing a dish, there's usually a local vinegar on the table hmm. and when i say local these are barrel aged vinegars these aren't run of the mill like cider vinegar which isn't barrel aged or distilled white vinegar which we're pretty familiar with those but there's a lot of exciting things happening in the vinegar world right now vinegars kind of having a moment and it's 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 super
0: excited. Medicare's <laughs> having a moment that only only comes from someone who's immersed in the culinary world. <laughs> would, <laughs> would, would, would you hear that? Okay, so when we've talked about olive oil in the past, I think you kind of scared me and a lot of other listeners when we talked about all the adulteration of olive oil and how five-star Napa Valley restaurants are cutting it half and half with canola oil and how the olive oil you buy from the store is a lot of times rancid or old or at least nothing near the flavor of like a good artisanal olive oil. Now, talk to me about vinegar. Is is it kind of a similar deal where when when you buy vinegar at the store, sometimes you're not getting what you think you're getting? Are there other things you need to consider when it comes to real versus, I suppose, whatever you call fake or adulterated vinegar?
1: Basically, there are lots of shortcuts you can make whenever you're focused on quantity over quality or industrial production it equals an inferior product so there's a lot of things that can happen in vinegar that is um, for example balsamic is one of those names that's on a label that automatically makes people pull more money out of their wallet Um, if you see that on a label a lot of times you have to really read the back label because they can add caramel color or molasses to make it look like a thick, rich balsamic. So there are some fake balsamics on the market. So that's a slippery, you gotta be a label reader. You know, obviously uh, we're talking about barrel aged vinegars and that's what I'm really focused on. Uh, and, And some producers, they take shortcuts and they actually soak wood chips in the vinegar instead of actually aging it in real wooden barrels. I'm obviously not a fan of added extracts or added flavors. We want to look for all natural flavors, which we get from amazing fruit. So we focus on the fruit.
0: Like I mentioned in the introduction, the word vinegar comes from the the, the French word uh, sour and wine, yes. but it can be more than just grapes, right?
1: absolutely absolutely like we we've got uh, last year in this collection i had an amazing um, apple balsamic this year i have a pear balsamic from austria that's just incredible
0: yeah the pear stuff's amazing by the way i made a, a an australian uh, uh barramunda fish last night with the pear vinegar and olive oil so good
1: oh man that sounds incredible well it's 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 got this level of sweetness to it and then also this acid that's really been nurtured over time in a barrel that's really just lets evaporation happen. So there's some – there's basically there's a, there's a whole world of vinegar that's opening up. Like I'm a Southerner and I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. When I was a kid, there on my kitchen table was typically a bottle of vinegar. Uh, we use that for for mostly on our greens. My, gra- my grandmother made amazing bright collard greens. So we would put that on there as like a natural flavor enhancer to also cut down some of the fat that was in there because she cooked them in a lot of fat back she would make chow chow relish uh, for topping our beans so there's pickling that vinegars are used for and then also uh, every summer we would pick our chili peppers and make homemade hot sauce which if you think about hot sauce the number one ingredient in hot sauce is vinegar yeah. so vinegar has this you know way of like opening your palate So it's a really interesting uh, product that we can explore. And then in culinary school, so I kind of grew up with those humble beginnings and just, you know, like a lot of people my age probably just enjoyed apple cider or white distilled. But then I started to move on in my culinary journey. Through culinary school and also through traveling around the world, and really getting exposed to these artisanal vinegars, these barrel-aged vinegars. So, this uh, speaking of the South, there's a company in Virginia that's doing ramp vinegar now.
0: Ramp? You mean you mean like the greens, the ramps?
1: Yeah, ramp. Yes, ramp infused vinegar. So there's some really interesting, you know, products that are that are coming on the market. But whenever this happens, Ben Like olive oil, when it gets like everybody's getting excited about it, that's the time when the cheap junk tries to enter the market, the crappy stuff, and demand the same prices as the good stuff. So this is the time where you really have to get your listeners educated on, you know, reading labels and that sort of thing. So we can – we'll definitely go more into that. But on the road, as I told you, I was exploring all these cuisines, and these are the vinegars I was putting in my suitcase and bringing back to America. These were the vinegars when I was visiting the Christmas market in uh, Germany and I found this amazing uh, pear balsamic, you know, that was, I got a bottle, I put it in my suitcase, you know, years later, fast forward a few years later. Now I'm working with that producer to actually produce it uh, for members of my olive oil club. So yeah, it's, it's kind of full, Just kind of come around full circle at this point.
0: Okay, so I'm just curious, like for you logistically, how do you find, what do you call it, a farm or a a vinegar producer? Like how how do you actually hunt them down? Is it just kind of knowing the right people?
1: I like to use this word that I've kind of coined, uh, vinegar vintner. Because making a beautiful barrel aged vinegar is like creating a very fine wine. So it's a lot of tasting. Olive oil producers, since they do go hand in hand, recommend local vinegar producers I also, um, I talk to local chefs, I meet foodie friends, whether I'm in Australia or Chile or in Europe, I'm always exploring, you know, I'm sure, are there things that you like to shop for (laughs) when you're on the road? Are there foodie gifts that you, that you are like, oh, I'm always after the pistachio nuts or something like that?
0: Not necessarily, but there's like places I go. Like if I'm in Hawaii, like usually coffee or macadamia nuts. If I'm in Japan, I like the little, uh, I think they're just like little gluten bombs, but those those chewy little like candies that they have in like the Japanese candy stores. And then also I like uh, some, some of like the, the soy sauce type of marinades over in Japan. A lot of times when I travel, I also will just kind of like dig into whatever the local place is known for, like you mentioned Asheville, North Carolina, you know, total foodie city. And, and, you know, for me, sometimes I'll go get in line at like, what's that biscuits and gravy place down there, for example. So yeah, biscuit heads. I'll go stand in line for an ungodly (laughs) amount of time to try biscuits and gravy. And then I'll like, I'll buy gift cards for people to those types of spots. So yeah, I usually come back from any vacation with increasing frequency. It's, it's hunting down whatever a, a cool local food is, and bringing it back chocolates another one that I'll do a lot of but yeah absolutely i, I for, for me food pairs perfectly with travel
1: yeah. Travel, adventure, cuisines. And, I, you know, any time I travel, I like to go in the grocery store. That, that to me, I can go in grocery stores and I can <laughs> really like understand Walton. culture. <laughs> 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 exactly. I, I want to understand, like, what uh, parts of an animal are these folks eating? You know, like I, I really can understand a lot. Um, there's also a lot of global awards. There's specialty food competitions around the world. So I kind of geek out on this with spreadsheets. I travel the global award winners of specialty food competitions in the vinegar category. I also you know travel uh, bring them home uh, For the consumer it's obviously not as easy. There are a few basic education points that I would like to share. Uh, okay. We talked about fully reading the label we talked about uh, staying away from all artificial, colors and extracts because I don't like taking a cheap vinegar and then adding some type of extract to it and then put throwing it in a fancy bottle with a fancy label. So there's some of that going on. Uh, we don't, we don't want to stay away from that. You always want to look for a country of origin or a region of origin.
0: Oh, so, so sim- similar to wine or olive oil.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You want to understand the concept of terroir. Terroir refers to the microclimate, the soil. It's really understanding what that area imparts, what's special about that and what that imparts in the final product. Is it barrel aged? It may say barrel aged for five years, et cetera. So look for barrel aged if that's the style of vinegar you're shopping for. Was it produced on a single estate? A single estate versus you know, mass company out there, uh, big you know brand. Uh, also w- related to balsamic, and we when we taste this balsamic, we can we can really dive into that. But you want to per- purchase a real authentic Italian balsamic uh, from Modena, Italy, from Modena, Italy, which is a region called a. a, in a it's a city in Emilia Romagna, which is hmm. probably one of the best eating regions in Italy. It's got the trifecta of amazing ingredients. You have Parma ham, you have balsamic vinegar, and you have Parmigiano-Reggiano, all produced right there and in that area of Emilia Romagna, on top of Lambrusco, uh, great, great wine. So there's, a, there's, a, there's some really good stuff to look for. And so remembering that concept of uh, where it's from, there are what are called controlled designations of origin. Those are referred to, like in France, it would be called an AOC or in Italy, a DOC or DOP. Those are areas that are protected by the European Union, kind of like champagne. You can't just make a California sparkling wine and label it champagne. No, there are international laws that actually protect certain products in the European Union, which is super cool. And then was it made with a quality fruit? Because like olive oil, starting with olives as a fruit, vinegar also has to start with a high-quality
0: fruit. All right, folks, your feet are important. Skin on the bottom of your feet has thousands of nerves used to control your movement and your posture. The more you feel your feet, the more you feel the ground, the better you move. A lot of injuries, orthopedic injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries, hip injuries, even shoulder injuries start with the feet. So this genius group at a company called Noboso has developed a whole line of products just for your feet we're not talking about toenail clippers We're talking about things like their neuroball for triggering proprioceptive receptors in the bottom of the foot. splay toe spacers you can wear while you're asleep or during the day to allow your toes to become more like ancient humankind's toes rather than the modern compressed toes we walk around with these days. They got activation insoles that keep your feet alive and turned on while you're walking around in your shoes. They allow for increased proprioception any time of the day, which, of course, improves athleticism and performance. They even have recovery socks that you can wear even if you aren't wearing the insoles and you aren't wearing shoes. And the recovery socks also increase your proprioceptive feeling in the feet. They even have a mat. I keep it in my sauna. That allows for better foot health and foot recovery and balance while you're doing things like yoga, for example. So anyways, Neboso has this great suite of products. I have something from Neboso on my feet just about every day. Go to neboso.com Ben and use code Ben for 10% off. That's nabos dot slash Ben and use code Ben for 10% off. So here's the deal. You've probably heard of earthing or grounding. And clinical research has shown that this stuff works, getting in touch with the planet. The problem is we can't all walk outside in our bare feet like dirty hippies. Maybe you work indoors and you have difficulty getting access to the earth or the ground to earth or ground. And so you're missing out on all the electrons you absorb when touching the planet. Those electrons neutralize free radical damage, they squelch inflammation, they restore healthy endocrine function, they enhance cellular gating and circulation, which improves the cellular uptake of nutrients and oxygen and hormones and maximizes the removal of cellular waste. The list goes on and on. But what this company Ultimate Longevity has done is they've created all these mats, mats for your mattress, for your pillow, blankets, things you can stand on while you're at your desk. They originally designed them for sleeping but they can be used anywhere. You can travel with these ground therapy mats, including the ability to be able to put them on your bed while you're sleeping at say like a hotel if you wanna be grounded, give you six to eight hours of uninterrupted grounding. And more time means more beneficial electrons, means greater results. It's a full body grounding process which maximizes the electron transfer way beyond what you get from just your feet. So you get healing electrons At the time when your body does most of its healing and repair if you're using the sleep mat which means during the entire night of sleep so over 20 peer-reviewed research studies have been published on the health effects of grounding we're talking inflammation sleep pain stiffness circulation wound healing hrv vagal tone serum electrolytes thyroid function blood viscosity blood glucose even things like depression and anxiety and tiredness and fatigue and mood are all affected by grounding ultimate longevity is the place to go for grounding products. Here's the URL to visit for an exclusive offer. Ultimate longevity.com slash Ben. That's where you can get grounding mats for your mattress, your pillow, your blankets, whole bunch of valuable grounding and earthing tools to help you bring down inflammation, jumpstart healing, increase energy. So this is how you can biohack your relationship with the planet earth. Ultimate longevity.com slash Ben is where you want to go.
2: Just imagine a hotel surrounded by nature, vineyards, and gardens, this forest classified as a historical garden in a very special country, at a hotel located in the oldest demarcated wine region in the world. Imagine this place has a state-of-the-art spa, 2,200 square meters, 10 treatment rooms, an indoor pool with underwater sound and chromotherapy. Imagine a kitchen team that brings to the table not just delicious food at this place, but values environmental sustainability and wellness and local sensitivity and global sensibility. Imagine being able to be bathed in luxury and being able to be local, to buy local, and to eat local, not caged off as some fancy tourist, but as a part of the community and a part of the terroir of the region. Well, that's exactly what you experience in Portugal at their Six Senses Luxury Retreat, and I'm going to be there for a special event that you can read up on at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Six Senses. It's called The Boundless Retreat. And at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Six Senses, you can see everything we're doing. Every day starts with a healthy farmhouse breakfast, morning movement session with me. You get access to three different 60-minute spa treatments that you can choose from throughout the day, indoor pool, and vitality suites. Meditation, sound healing, an alchemy bar with dama and yogurts and pickles and sprouts. Workshops, retreat meals, all made from locally sourced organic produce. Q and A's and sing along sessions with me. This is going to be an amazing, remarkable, once in a lifetime experience. You get four nights full board accommodation in a deluxe room there at the facility, and this thing, as you can imagine, is going to fill up fast. It's in Portugal, at the Six Senses Retreat in Portugal, again. All the details are at com slash six senses. And the dates are February 27th through March 3rd, 2023. February 27th through March 3rd, 2023. I hope to see you
0: there. So these additives, by the way, are we talking about like... um I know coloring, the caramel coloring is an issue. A lot of people have a poor reaction to that. And then thickeners can cause some some gut issues in people. What about GMO ingredients? Do they add a lot of GMO type of ingredients to some of the vinegars as far as a vinegar additive?
1: I'm not aware of GMO. I'm aware of artificial color and okay. artificial flavors. So like if someone buys a, let's say a strawberry vinegar, it may have a strawberry extract in it not real strawberries or made with real strawberries. So I stay away from all, you know, the chemical produced stuff. And I try to go natural old world time, basically where where time's involved and, and passion and care and love, not uh, not the cheap route.
0: Okay. All right. Got it. So As far as the actual different kinds of vinegars that are in the the shipment that I got, I mean, like a lot of people, like I'm aware of white vinegar, which we use a lot for cleaning, but never mix that with bleach, by the way. That that creates almost like a chloroform type of reaction. So be careful with that or hydrogen peroxide. But vinegar is great for cleaning. We use white vinegar a lot for cleaning. And then I've always been a fan of balsamic vinegar, have always just used it in a very amateurish fashion, you know, drizzling over fish or on salads or whatever. And then typically like an apple cider vinegar for either making like a, like I do a clay mask once a week and I'll mix the clay mask with the apple cider vinegar. Uh, My wife will use apple cider vinegar for a lot of her beauty treatments. And then of course that can be used medicinally or even like I mentioned in the introduction to take like a, a shot of prior to a meal to lower the glycemic index of the meal. So you got white vinegar and balsamic vinegar and apple cider vinegar. I think those are probably like the top three that a lot of people know about. But how many different kinds of vinegar are there?
1: There are a lot. Basically, anything that you'd be fermented, you can then, as long as you could make alcohol out of something, you could literally do the second step of fermentation on and get, acetic acid
0: okay this the second step is when is when you mix the uh when when the acetic acid bacteria will transform the alcohol into acetic acid and that's what makes the vinegar that's like the secondary fermentation process
1: Yes, that's the mother. So think of a mother as kind of like a sourdough starter. I know you're a big fan of sourdough. You're probably going to be passing down to your children the sourdough starter that you guys have made. And your sourdough probably has a story behind it from, you know, coming from someone, you know, down the line. But the mother is this protected, really, it's just uh, cellulose, uh, but it, it is a great bacteria. And this mother over time adapts and is used to increase flavor in the product. So the mother for each specific vinegar is very important to the final flavor. So, yes, that is something that's protected uh, in this pro- process And basically the mother eats the alcohol that was in the fermented product, and then that creates the bacteria, which creates acidic acid at different levels, right? Because some of these vinegars that we're going to be tasting have – higher levels of sugar in them but also have higher levels of acid in them so the two kind of balance each other out and kind of give you that sweet tart taste that is so you know sought after it's interesting you could have you know different vinegars at different uh, percentages and and that's really cool in your kitchen you want to have a uh, assortment of things that are really tart all the way to the very extreme end, which is viscous and sweet.
0: Yeah. I actually want to get into how you would choose which one to use. Cause that's something I'm still trying to decode. And maybe when we get into tasting each of these vinegars, you can share like what you might use each one for, because I'd, I'm actually really looking forward to this. I'd, I have this, this big box on my desk and it's got uh, four different vinegars in it. And you know, I'm a member of the Olive Oil Club, and you just randomly started sending me this vinegar. But had I signed up for the actual membership, w- would this be something I'd get? Why like three months or so? These uh, like a shipment of four bottles.
1: It's actually a one. It's not a club. Okay. It's a one time a year collection. Okay. So this summer I did a European road trip. Uh, a buddy of mine has a German uh, small uh, Mercedes German motorhome, and we did a road trip from Barcelona up into France, across into Italy, then Austria, then Germany. And I curated this four bottle set. And I did this so my club members would have a collection because vinegar can age and gets better with age. It's not like olive oil where I need to deliver it quarterly. Uh, I can deliver one set per year of four bottles And my members will have a whole culinary arsenal. Think of it as as colors of paint that that they can use in their cooking. So that's what I tried to do when I made the four-bottle set. I tried to have uh, from bracingly acidic to fruit to um, very sweet. Uh, So it's kind of like one of those things that – basically arms you for a full year ahead of vinegars because we don't use as much vinegar as we do olive oil most people use uh let's say you're you're doing a, a vinaigrette a vinaigrette is typically three parts oil to one part vinegar so you know, you don't go through it as quickly.
0: Speak for yourself. I'm going through it pretty fast. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. no, that's good. That's good. I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. So I curate X number of sets and okay. I've never released them before outside of my club members. So okay. I've only offered them in the past to my club members, but you were so over the moon about them that this year on my on my trip, I secured extra bottles to offer to your listeners. So that's Sweet. that's what I did uh, okay. this year. So you're, you're the only one outside the club that can get access to it. Uh, the club's allotment that I had uh, purchased for them is actually sold out at this point. Uh, so yeah, we've got yours on reserve. So it, it's very exciting but that's the deal
0: sweet all right so Lots of versatility here. I know it can be used for like deglazing and marinating. I mean, it's, we, we put on ice cream once based on your suggestion. So we'll get into how you, you use each of these different kinds of vinegar shortly as we start into the tasting. But one thing I wanted to mention to people is like the, the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club, you've got this really fantastic like printout. There's like a 20-page printout. It's got a, about a dozen different recipes in it. It's got some of the science behind the vinegars. And then what I really love, maybe it's just because I'm a nerd when it comes to this stuff, I, I sit down and I read the story. You have like a two-page story behind each farm and like, you know, pictures of you meeting with the different vintners and and the pictures of the barrels and the area where it's grown. So it's really fun to, to get the the printout along with it. I would encourage people to just to, to try this out once if you get a chance. So what I've got on my desk here, TJ, just to paint a picture for you, is I've got this box. I haven't even taken these out of the box yet because um i have a fresh box i actually you you'd sent me a box like two months ago and i tried it but this latest box arrived for the tasting that we're doing today so this is all in the box i've got one two three i've got four shot glasses so i'm going to take these out of the box here so i've got my four shot glasses and i think you have what an austrian a german uh, and a Italian and uh what's the last one French. The, French the French one yeah so where do we start man I've never done this vinegar tasting before
1: yeah so where you start you need a little water um, okay. because these are acidic it's a little different than tasting olive oil so a I've little got some of that water would be great
0: I wish I wish I had wine but it's too early
1: <laughs> yeah, it's too early to interfere with this. So let's, um, we're we're going to focus first on the Benyols vinegar because it's the most acidic in the uh, line of the Benyols. Yes, the Benyols. So that's the French one.
0: Okay. And tell, tell me about this one. How did you find this one?
1: Probably 15 years ago, I was at a market in the south of France, a tailgate farmer's market, and there was a Banyol's producer there. And I tasted a Banyol's vinegar, and I'm familiar, pretty familiar with red wine vinegars across the board, but then there are very special red wine vinegars and this would classify as a very special red wine vinegar it's not just red wine vinegar so i tasted uh Ben-Yols and and when i was cooking and this has been for the last decade let's say uh, let's say i was making a, a french style salad that was with frise uh, and had crispy bacon lardons and a poached egg on top and some croutons well all those are fatty heavy items I would use a very acidic vinegar and my go-to vinegar for that purpose was the bagnoles. It was it's got a lot of flavor for red wine vinegar. So I've been using it for a while.
0: Okay, all right, got it. What do we do first? I've got the bottle in front of me, I got shot glass here.
1: Yes. in your shot glass, place uh, maybe a teaspoon. Because okay. we don't need to go go nuts, mm-hmm. and we what we're going to do, we're going to kind of move it closer to our nose. We're not going to get okay. it really, really close. We're going just kind of warm warm ourselves up, Okay. Got and on. we're going to start smelling this vinegar. Which you 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 perceive the acid, of mm-hmm. course, in your nose, and you you start to see this. Um, for for me, uh, when you taste this, you, you can you smell earthiness and a little sweetness. Hmm just smelling at this point. Um, These grapes were aged in barrels outdoors. These uh, for about three years for the winemaking part of the process. This area is a UNESCO World Heritage Site for how these vineyards were planted. They've been planted on these terraced Slopes where the Pyrenees meet the Mediterranean, and they get very little rainfall there, and the soil is a schist type of soil. These roots from these grapevines really have to work super hard in all these cracks and crevices to get water and survive the heat of summer and very little hmm. rainfall. So, there's some struggle that happens in the grape production. Uh, and typically, one of the main items of this area is a Banyol's wine, which is a fortified wine or a sweeter dessert style wine. We may get some hints of sweetness, of sweetness but it's not okay. going to be a sweet vinegar compared to the uh, balsamic. But that's just a little bit of, uh, you know, backstory on this. So,
0: And how how long does a vinegar like this age for, like in, in the oak barrels?
1: Yes. So three, eight, three years in the first part of the process out under the sun in a barrel. And, and that's the winemaking process. And then it's brought inside. The mother is added. And then it's brought into a french oak barrel a small french oak barrel where it sits for an additional three years somewhere around there okay Uh, every batch is different depending on where that barrel is stacked kind of in the rick house if it's higher in the house where you get more heat in winemaking, call it the angel's share, the evaporation that happens. Uh, the angels take more. If it's on the lower part of the uh, barrel room, the vinegar cellar, you won't get as much evaporation. So it really there – there is not like a hard and fast rule. That's why you have to have experts involved like a great – like Joffrey at this uh, – who's the winemaker at this estate – he actually barrel selects, uh, and then of course I was there as well. So it's it, it's a fun it's a fun, really fun process. But um, so let's take a little bit of this vinegar, you know whatever you're comfortable with. I don't want you to cough or choke, so just start mm-hmm. really really small. But we we're talking about the nose. I get hints mm-hmm. of brown butter on the nose. Mm-hmm. I get a little rose
0: water, little kind of like fennel licoricey type of aroma. Yes, too. A- yeah.
1: absolutely. <laughs> Plums, maybe some vanilla think about Mm -hmm. vanilla bean that kind of
0: yeah maybe just a little little bit smoky
1: yes absolutely and that could come from the toasted oak in the barrels too because that really imparts some flavor because they sit in in there for so much time so let's take a little tiny sip of it
0: okay okay My oh, palate's
1: awake now. <laughs> it's like my palate's oh, awake.
0: I know. We're, we're recording this at like 11 a.m. And, and the last meal I had was just like my morning little superfood smoothie. So this is a, this is a shift. This is definitely a little bit more savory. <laughs> wow. Mm. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, so on the palate, it's acidic, yet there's a hint of sweetness. There's a fresh with notes of fennel, ginger, currants, toasted walnuts, and raisins is what I had in my report. Mm. And really, I get a little taste of like a brown butter or a sherry vinegar, if yeah. I just let, you know, as it kind of, you know, my palate kind of cleans there. So yeah. this one, I, I use this one in rich dishes where I balance out fattiness. So items like an antipasto salad, let's say antipasto salad, right? We, where it's got provolone, it's got sliced prosciutto, it's got salami, pepperoni, all that sort of stuff and a big hearty salad well in that kind of salad i have a lot of fatty ingredients going on this is the ideal vinegar it's going to cut directly through that fat and make that salad just so flavorful i mean yeah it's been what a minute since we tasted this and it's still like going on there's a little party going on in my taste buds it's pretty incredible
0: oh yeah yeah it it just keeps growing in the mouth now The fact that it would pair really well with like a a fatty meal, you know, one of the things I like to make, especially this time of year in the winter is like a traditional, like a French beef morning stew where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll brown the cuts of, of stew meat. In the bottom of a Dutch pot, typically with butter or bacon fat, but you could use something like this to kind of like deglaze the, the pot or the pan beforehand, right? To, to get all those caramelized bits in the bottom and, and make a little, little bit of a sauce.
1: You are exactly on the path. I would totally do this with beef bourguignon. Yeah. It's a great like substitute for red wine, but also you can do the same thing with say the golas, the the pear. My wife makes some pork chops, for example. She would oh. hear some pork chops.
0: Oh my gosh. I have t- I have two beautiful bone-in pork chops in in the freezer. Oh, t- keep, okay. keep keep All going, right. keep going. All
1: right, I'm gonna set that up for you. I'll, we'll get back to that when we talk about Gullis because I will tell you more about that. But okay. let's let's go let's go a little bit further on this bagnole. So this one I also use for quick pickling. So quick pickling mm. is if you find onions and garlic really strong in your salad, like I have some family members that are like, I, I don't want it's too overpowering for my salad. Then what I do, I take a little of this vinegar that I'm going to be using to make my vinaigrette, and I chop, finely chop. You could use shallots. You could use onion. You could use garlic. And you macerate those ingredients in a little vinegar you do a vinegar soak on them. And so basically it's like pre blooming those ingredients in the vinegar. And then later in the process, you would add your other ingredients, maybe some mustard or maybe some, and then your olive oil.
0: How long would I leave something like the, the chopped up onions or the garlic inside of vinegar like this?
1: Depending on how big they are, I mean, you could go as little as fifteen minutes, and I don't know, as long as maybe an hour. Yeah, it's not that long. No, not that long. But basically, you're imparting the flavor. You're letting those flavors bloom uh, in advance prior to adding your olive oil, mustard, herbs, etc. Yeah. So this one for me is a quick pickling vinegar. It's got enough acidity to be able to pull that off. Uh, Some of these other ones, it's a little tougher to do that with. And like you said, deglazing. We talked about a wonderful mayonnaise-style salad with the crispy bacon and lardons. We talked about greens. You love salad. Obviously, you could use that for that. Anything that would use like roquefort cheese or blue cheese would go beautifully with this. You could use it for a warm potato salad. In your intro, you talked about the levels of carbohydrate.
0: Right. The, the, the anti-glycemic effect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anti, yeah. That's the, yeah. So you're the science guy, but I, it's very interesting in a lot of cultures that vinegar is paired, for example, in a warm potato salad in Germany, they would pair that with vinegar. So you've got, yeah. You've got your acid there. That's paired with potatoes. I wonder, if it, or obviously grilled vegetables. Um, you could you could use it on cooked kale and other greens.
0: It'd be pretty good on an egg salad too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Excellent marinade sauces, deglaze a pan. It will brighten braises or stews, and and make quick pickled onions or other vegetables. So that was my list I had for you.
0: So That's the benjoles. I love it. Okay. All right. Cool. This is awesome. Let's do the next one.
1: So next up, Ben, we're going to try the pear balsamic vinegar. So this product, giving you a little history on this, this is one I discovered many years ago at the Christmas markets in Germany. I was tasting uh, specialty food products there, and I found this vinegar producer who had an amazing line of vinegars. And I was like, balsamic? I'm skeptical. It's from uh, Austria, not Italy. Uh, What's going on? Well, I started to dig a little deeper. And this producer actually was a schnapps producer. He was very familiar with making incredible – uh, Austrian brandies and whiskeys and that sort of thing, uh, and he, he would use incredible fruit from his own vineyards, heirloom varieties of fruit, whether it was apple or pear or cherry, to make incredible schnapps. He vacationed in Modena, Italy. He tasted balsamic vinegar there, made from grapes, and uh, he had this aha uh-huh moment. He's like, I can do this at home. I have a bunch of apples, amazing heirloom apples, that I can use this process, this balsamic process, to make an incredible – Apple Balsamic, so his first product was Apple Balsamic, which was in last year's collection in this year's collection, it's the pear balsamic. but just to give you a, a little context on that one, so let's let's um this one is more drinkable. I'll say it's more drinkable than the first one. The acid is is more integrated,
0: definitely smells sweeter
1: yeah let's let's just take a smell of this one so fruit based vinegar, you smell the pear in there right away, oh yeah. It's just got scent of like roasted pears. It's got notes of malt and caramel. It's got sweet berry jam, figs, I think chestnut honey, which is a very earthy honey, and also roasted chestnuts on the nose.
0: Compared to the um, to the banyoles, this it's definitely less acidic. When we're talking about acidity, I think what is it, like a four to seven percent range that you find in these vinegars? Yes, yes. And so would this one be closer to like four?
1: This one, because it's paired with the 5% acidity in this one, okay. 5%. Banyol's is 6%, yes. And so let's talk a little bit about how this is made. This producer, Gullis, uh, he, he made this trip. He, he's got these amazing uh, old world varieties. He boils down pear juice as the first step. Okay. And then he actually ferments the pear juice. And then after that introduces his mother and then he places it in barrels and it's barrel aged for many years. He doesn't you don't want to overage a pear balsamic because the the pear flavor starts to dissipate. So his apple balsamic was an eight to 10 year in barrel. This is closer to a six, uh, four to six years in barrel for this one. Just read the label. So we were going to look for that, you know, really nice pear flavor. I'm going to go ahead and take a sip. I can't wait any longer. (laughs) So I'm going to take a little sip of this one.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm already thinking of putting this one on like a vanilla ice cream. Wouldn't that be good? Mmm. Man, that's good. Yeah.
1: So there's a slight earthiness um, reminiscent of vanilla pipe tobacco. Hmm. I get this like vanilla pipe tobacco. I also get hints of cinnamon and grapefruit zest. I also taste stewed pears. I get delicate notes of vanilla. Dried plums, caramel. There's mm, yeah. the caramel starting to come. Yeah, the dark cherries, hazelnuts, orange marmalade, and macadamia nuts. So those are what I I said as the tasting notes on the palate. We were talking about pork before. These pork chops you have in the fridge. So here's what I would do. I would sear my pork chops. However you you normally do that in a pan.
0: I find with these thick pork chops, I have the the big pastured pork chops from uh, U.S. Wellness Meats. I really like their pork. I actually, uh, I sous vide it at about Mm. 140 degrees or so, usually about two and a half hours. And then I do my sear, but typically when I sous vide I'll have a little marinade in the sous vide bag. And so I'm even doing that before I get it out to the sear, but suppose I've, I've sous vide it, then, then what would you do for the sear?
1: You could probably use a little of this in the, in the sous vide because it breaks down the protein. Uh, and we'll give you – it'll actually tenderize. So meat – you or vinegar you can actually use to tenderize meat.
0: In the past I've used for for that sous vide bag, uh, one of my favorites is a little apple cider vinegar with a Dijon mustard. But this would – I think this would be way better than the apple cider.
1: This will take it off the chart. So Okay, so when you're done searing it, take your your pork chops out of the pan, add a little grainy mustard or Dijon mustard, whatever you have. Then add a splash, remove it from the heat, add a good heavy splash of the pear balsamic vinegar, and then let it reduce. With the fatty richness of the pork, it's just going to make an incredible sauce. You really don't need, when you have really incredible ingredients, you don't need a million ingredients. It's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Let's say you have some fresh thyme around, maybe pluck some fresh thyme at the end to put in the sauce but that's all you need. And a lot of people throw the best part of the dish away. They (laughs) remove the food and they don't deglaze the pan. That's called fond, F-O-N-D. And that fond is where your flavor is. So anytime you're, you're cooking a protein, remove the protein, add a splash of great vinegar, add a splash of wine, work it with a spatula, and you've got an instant sauce right on your hands with a lot of flavor.
0: Yeah, because you're getting all the caramelized bits in the bottom, and then that's like the fond, and then when you add the vinegar, that gives you your sauce. By the way, my wife and my sons are gone tomorrow night. I've got somebody coming over to do a little cranial sacral therapy on the back of my head for some tightness, and I'm literally going to... Go upstairs after that and have my own little pork chop party all by myself in my kitchen. It's going to be amazing. You've already, you've got my Friday night planned out for me, man. I'm looking forward to this.
1: I, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you you got incredible ingredients. So it's going to be pretty spectacular. This one over bitter greens is fantastic. Uh, like I said, stewed collards, that sort of thing. Uh, mustard greens. That sweetness of the pear with mustard greens. Just a quick sauté of baby mustard greens, or even the super mix we we will um do a quick saute
0: on super mix and then wait what's super mix
1: Super mix is like a um, it's like it's called super greens. I should have used the word super greens. It's like a there's a package of of greens in the grocery store. It's usually near the salad spring mix, and it's called super greens. It's like baby. Uh, uh, I think kale. I know the one you're talking
0: it's about. Baby yeah. It's, it's,
1: yeah. It's a, it's a real quick side dish, right? If you were looking for like a one minute side dish, like heat a pan, throw in your super greens with some olive oil, little salt, and then just kind of move them around, just gently cook them. You don't want to cook them until they are completely wilted and then just finish it with a little bit of incredible pear vinegar or balsamic or calamansi, depending on the dish. And you're going to have a pretty spectacular side in like yeah. less than five minutes.
0: Yeah. By the way, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up, up level your super greens recommendation because I have a, uh, a lettuce grow out in my uh my garage which is a whole vertical vegetable growing unit and so i order my seedlings from that and in the winter i can have like 20 different varietals of fresh greens so right now i've got like a shisho leaf i've got some thyme some rosemary lettuce kale butter lettuce and so i can go out there and just grab a whole collection of that and, and use that in this uh this super greens recipe so you ever seen one of those, those big vertical indoor grow systems? They're
1: very cool. They're very yeah. cool. I'm very jealous. I travel too much. I usually <laughs> am on the road for olive oil about over 200 days of the year. So I don't, I don't have to maintain and eat those those greens. But I'm sure some family members would help me out. Like chiso? Really? You're growing your own chiso? Like I'm so, yeah. I'm so jealous. Like, Have you um, ever heard of a shrub cocktail before? Are you familiar with shrubs yeah. at all? Yeah. Basically, a shrub, for your listeners that don't know, is a vinegar-based cocktail. And typically, it is a macerated fruit. So step one would be taking some blueberries, some fresh blueberries or frozen blueberries, and mixing them with some sugar and letting those macerate for, I don't know, 24 hours. And and you can add simple syrup to it. Basically, you're making a uh, sweetened fruit juice. That's step one. Step two is you add vinegar, such as this pear balsamic which is incredible when you add it to blueberries and then you strain it at the end and then you use that with seltzer and crushed ice and maybe a few crushed blueberries or fresh blueberries as a garnish and maybe mint it's like an incredible non-alcoholic
0: cocktail so and for, for before a meal again for the glycemic lowering component you know that's something i'll often do is uh like if I'm out at a out uh, at a restaurant, I'll order bitters, you know, over soda water or tonic water with a little bit of ice and a squeeze of lemon, and so you get that glycemic lowering effect. But this is great. I'm I'm going to uh, to try a shrub recipe. I, I haven't actually made a shrub cocktail at home, but you're right. I have all these fantastic vinegars now, so why not?
1: Now's your moment. Okay. And the pear balsamic, you just can take a splash of seltzer. Like you really don't – if you don't want to go through the drug process, just get a, a nice seltzer, nice – sparkling water and add the pear balsamic to it it's a wonderful aperitif it's just you know really really yeah, fresh la- lazy so next, man's
0: cocktail yeah. i like
1: it that's right that's right well, i do the same with the calamansi and we'll, we'll we'll get to that one in a minute but the next one we're going to taste is the condimento the aceto balsamico di modena
0: oh this is, this is the balsamic
1: this I is the balsamic. real deal italian balsamic yeah so let me set this up for you because there's a lot of fakes, as we talked about, in balsamic. Um, it's a very complicated topic. Even me, as someone who's been to the region multiple times, Megan and I, uh, we actually visited this producer and found his incredible barrel-aged balsamics on our honeymoon. We did a road trip, and one of my my favorite you know, foodie spots in the world is Modena, Italy, for the reasons we've, we've talked about, this uh, producer makes an incredible balsamic. So there are different categories of balsamic. The most expensive comes in a very tiny bottle. It is basically boiled down grape must, which is grape juice that they that they reduce. And then it's added to what's called a battery of barrels. A battery of barrels is maybe like 10 barrels of different sizes. Maybe the first one holds 20 gallons, the last one maybe holds a liter. When you are born in that area into a family, typically a battery of barrels is started for your family, for future generations. So, people in this area, Amelia, uh, Romagna, Modena, are very particular when it comes to vinegar, mm-hmm. and the 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 vinegar that's produced in this very small system, this closed uh, cast system with the the sequence of barrels of different types of wood—cherry, oak, um, chestnut—because they impart different flavors. Essentially, the the process that happens is aging takes a lot of years it's 12 to 24 years to get a tiny bottle of vinegar and it sells for like 200 bucks a bottle so it can be really expensive so it's too extravagant to use in vinaigrettes in your kitchen it's too extravagant to you know really just use as kind of an everyday vinegar which you could the one i've produced All right. So that's like what's called D.O.P. is that level that we were talking about, about 200 bucks for a very, very small bottle. You typically use it on strawberries. You would use it on uh, risotto, that sort of thing. So that's step one. And then on the other end of the spectrum is IGP. And IGP Mm -hmm. is another classification. And there are uh, producer organizations in these regions that actually classify your products depending on the quality. So if I wanted to produce a DOP vinegar, I have to send a sample to the panel who has to certify it and say, yes, you're approved. You can sell that. So that was not accessible to my club members. So I I stayed away from that. I went with kind of a hybrid, which is called condimento. You'll notice the word condimento Mm -hmm. on the top of the bottle. Yeah, I saw that. This condimento category, so there's DOP, there's IGP, and then there's condimento. Condimento gives the producers the flexibility to try to make a vinegar that has a very similar flavor and texture to a really amazing DOP without taking 12 to 24 years or longer. Okay. So that's why I chose to use a condimento because in my kitchen, I like to use balsamic as a sweetener in vinaigrettes. Like I would typically do a blend. If I were making a vinaigrette for a salad, I would blend a little bit of the balsamic with a little bit of the bagnoles, because I want that acidity, but I also want that sweetness in there as well. So when I add my olive oil and my salt, I've just got this incredible trifecta for my greens. So that's the, um, you know, that's what I would do. So
0: you're so impatient; you don't want to wait 25 years for the IGP.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it would make you would be too coveted, right? It'd be one yeah. of those things you'd leave in your pantry and not
0: touch. Too fine to drink.
1: Yeah, it's too fine, it's too fine. So this is this was like the perfect medium and I just had to find the right producer that would help me get to the flavor profile that I wanted to get which meant leaving it in barrels longer, meant uh, using a mixture of barrels. I've got cherry, I've got chestnut. These varieties of fruit wood in these barrels add to the complexity of flavor. As the evaporation happens inside the barrel, you get this viscosity that happens and the rounding of flavor and the integration of the grape must which is pretty thick and the vinegar working together. So let's take a smell of this one. You'll notice right away how mm. thick and viscous it yeah. is. <laughs> it was made with Lambrusco and Trebbiano grapes. Those are the only two grapes that can be used to make a real Italian balsamic. Um, there's a balance of acidity, sweetness from the grape must, and the woodiness of the barrel aging. This one was in cherry barrels for more than two years. And it's very much made like a cuvee or a fine wine, blending a fine wine. So let's do a smell test. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. So So good. So good. Uh, good. All right. I get prunes, I get dried figs. I get sweet, dark cherries, especially like dried, sweet, dark cherries. I get dark chocolate. I get hints of vanilla, caramel, and toasted oak. So I'm getting Mm -hmm. all these items off the nose. Do you get anything else there or anything stand out to
0: you? I definitely get like that, you know, that small dark berry type of aroma from it. Maybe a little bit of like a like a raisin or a or a honey. You know, <laughs> yeah. And that might just be yes, the sweetness. Absolutely. But yeah. I would say a little a little raisin, a little honey
1: absolutely like a dark honey like a rich yeah. dark honey yeah or raisins I, I totally get that
0: I mean I, I could even drizzle this on like oatmeal in the morning I mean, this is amazing oh you
1: oh, know because usually you
0: put things like that in oatmeal you know raisins a little honey my sons have oatmeal a lot of mornings or some blueberries and so you could totally use something like this even for that
1: I love that idea this is like a balsamic lollipop or something I've yeah. got a I've already I've already raced that <laughs> like hmm it's like a tootsie roll or something It's like a cherry tootsie
0: roll. What kind of recipes do you like to use this in?
1: So for me, um, I love that it's thick, tangy, velvety. I love that all the taste in there uh, from the dark honey to the plums. I think it pairs beautifully with cocktails. We talked about uh, shrubs, making shrubs. For for me, I like I said, I usually blend it with other vinegars. I don't like my salad super sweet, so I've used a blend of the bagnoles and the balsamic. You are a huge fan of organ meats and wild game. Yeah. This one is incredible with oh, wild man. boar.
0: Wait, with wild what? Wild
1: boar or venison? No Yes, venison especially. Think about this one as, or lamb. If you were doing a rack of lamb and that rack of lamb comes out of the oven and you you slice it on a, and place it on a, a platter and you drizzle a little bit of balsamic. Think about how that acid is gonna just bring that roasted rack of lamb alive.
0: It would honestly be really nice on, even, even like a lot of times I'll do a, a thin sliced uh, liver or heart. And a lot of times I'll dredge it with egg and coconut flour and some spices and, and then fry it up with a little bit of olive oil. But I could even try uh, almost very similar to like a, like a sous vide because I'll do that sometimes with the organ meats. But I, I don't know if I'd need to bread it and fry it so much. If I had something like this, I, I might actually see how that pairs like, like a balsamic, a fine balsamic like this with an organ meat. It could actually be pretty good.
1: I think it's going to really, really work. Um, For me, you know, it's as simple as drizzling it over prosciutto, goat cheese, or figs as a first course. You could pour it over vanilla ice cream with strawberries for dessert. I mean, there's really, it's limitless, right? It's kind of like with the olive oil. You choose your adventure. You choose your fun. But basically, whatever you're cooking, this Takes it to the next level, so that that that's like the goal, and kind of gets you you know reinvigorated in the kitchen.
0: I love this. Of course, I love balsamic in general, but man, so many places I could go with this one. Wow, and that's that's really that's really cool to know that. I mean, like, like you're getting the quality of like a multi hundred dollar bottle of a dop. But man, for people who might not be able to afford that or want to see what something like that would taste like and, and not have you know the guilt factor over actually consuming it, what you have in your pantry. Wow, I really like this. You've got like, man, it's fancy. It's got the lot number on the bottle and everything. Well, wow, and again, like when you look at the ingredients, there aren't additives. It just says cooked grape. Mu- What's grape must?
1: So it's cooked down, uh, complete grapes. So they okay. just pl- place the, they harvest the grapes, they, they de-stem them, they put them in a uh, cauldron and they, they boil them there. I use the word boil, boil, but they don't boil. It's a very slow process. They hmm. want very uh, little evaporation. So, yeah, that's that's cooked down grape juice, essentially, but it's the whole uh, fruit. I uh, have uh, two, uh, two actual uh, grape varieties, the yeah. Lambrusco and the Trebbiano grapes yeah. used there uh, that's also used in Lambrusco.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: <laughs> All right. So the next one.
0: Okay. La- last one. Here we go.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, okay. This one, shake it a little bit. You want to shake it a little
0: bit. This is the column- Calamasi.
1: Calamante, Calamante. Now this one is totally out of left field. Okay. So this, you know, I've been talking about barrel aged. I've been talking about DOP. I've been talking about, you know, winemaking and all this stuff. All right, this one is really outside of that field. And it was very hard for me to include something in my collection that was kind of outside my my normal range. But I fell in love with this vinegar. My wife has been using calamansi. Megan has been using calamansi vinegar in our kitchen for a long time.
0: And calamansi is a
1: fruit? Absolutely. Yes. Let me give you some background on that. It's a uh, Filipino fruit. This is a fair trade product. Uh, It's a uh, calamansi fruit pulp. And the calamansi fruit itself is kind of like a cross between a kumquat and a mandarin. To me, it also has a lot of yuzu kind of flavor. So you'll taste like I don't know. It's a really interesting style of vinegar. So this vinegar I call a cocktail style vinegar, and but there's no real barrel aging that takes place. It's amazing vinegar that it started with a brandy vinegar, uh, just a, a pretty simple brandy vinegar, and then a calamansi. Pulp is actually, juice is added to create and a little bit of cane sugar, fair trade cane sugar, to kind of round it out a little bit.
0: Honestly, like, don't laugh, but but initially it's almost got, like, this kind of, like, Sprite Mountain Dew type of soda aroma to it, probably probably because of, like, the orange citrusy nature of the calamansi. So, yeah, it almost smells like a soda. Like Honestly, I could add some of this to just, like, some Pellegrino or Perrier and automatically have, like, a nice little like homemade soda, some of that shrub cocktail we were talking about, but yeah, I get a lot of that. It's very, very fresh, like kind of like lemon, Absolutely. orange, lime. You know, you mentioned yuzu, probably a little, little bit of that. And then you know, like a tangerine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally get it. So I say on the nose, yuzu, mandarin, orange, lemon, lime, fresh ginger. I smell lemongrass. I get a little lemon verbena or like a lemon candle, or lime leaves. I kind of get the, the aroma of lime leaves as well. I say we take a little sip of this one, because like yeah. I said, it's a cocktail-style oh cocktail vinegar. So let me take a little sip. I can't wait any longer. This is so good. Mm. Wow. There's oh, that man. burst of sweetness that gives way to a citrusy kind of tingle. You'll taste hints of sour orange, key limes, yuzu, mm-hmm. florals like jasmine. You'll get herbal notes like chamomile and lavender. You'll get orange blossom honey, kumquat, and tangerine on the palate. And that's so good.
0: <laughs> that is really good. I mean, like, oh, man, yeah, just give me some sparkling water and some ice, and I could just suck this down all day long. It's amazing. You ever had vinegar? We talked about adding vinegar to olive oil. You ever add it to wine?
1: No, I've not tried I'm just that.
0: It's curious. So you, you know, almost like like a sangria type of thing.
1: Yeah, I was going to say maybe with the calamante, I could do that with a um, something that's maybe a little sweeter white, you know, to kind of balance it. But yeah, I could totally. So this one, honestly, you could use for any recipe that calls for lemon or lime. Like I love it in salsa. I love it guacamole. I've made a lemon cake with it. I've made lemon curd.
2: Oh yeah. I've made
1: entrees like chicken piccata. Very simple dish. For like fast recipes, salmon, you could you could do herbs and garlic and this on on salmon. I was even thinking about uh, ceviche or crudite.
0: You're right. Yeah, it would be especially with that citrusy. I I have a. Uh Sashimi-grade uh, fish, <laughs> all these delivery services, I have a hard time keeping track. Uh, sashimi-grade fish, a service called Seatopia, I get a uh, sashimi-grade fish delivered to my house once a month, and and a lot of it, of course, it's such high-quality, clean fish, you can do a ceviche with it. Yeah, this would be really, really good, a little salt, a little lime, and, and add some of this vinegar to it. Yeah, that's a great idea.
1: Yeah, tuna tataki, I've been thinking about mixing it with some soy sauce and making like tuna tataki would yeah. be great. All of these vinegars, when you start roasting, let's say, root vegetables in your kitchen, when you pull that out of the oven and you put it on the side, can you imagine drizzling that with a little bit of one of these balsamics or a little bit of the calamansi and tossing it around in the roasting pan before you give it its final seasoning, final herbs, and putting it in the serving bowl? So there's this flavors of fat, acid, and salt. And you need to learn to balance those things. And one of the mistakes I see people making most is not tasting while they're cooking. It's a very important part of the process, is have a spoon. You wanna taste things before you place them on your table. Uh, so please you know, take the time and adjust those elements. Does it need extra fresh olive oil? Does it need a little hint of acid? Does it need a little salt? And in salt land, we can talk there, you know, is it salt of different textures? I'm sure you've used flaky sea salt from Europe or uh, the yeah. Kalima salt. Which yeah, you I love, love. the Kalima. You know, they're different. Yeah. So there's there's like, you know, the, learning to kind of modulate those those three items will really just take your cooking to an entirely new level. What's the, the Japanese green that you're growing? Oh, the uh, Shiso. 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 Yeah. I want you to take some shiso and put it in the bottom of a cocktail glass. I want you to add a little calamansi vinegar to it. Mm-hmm. I want you to muddle it using you know, a small muddling tool or macerate it. But shiso in cocktails is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's very similar to mint. So you'd almost get like a little bit of like a mojito effect.
1: Exactly. But calamansi yeah. shiso, can oh imagine that with a little crushed ice and a little seltzer on top. Like, oh my gosh, you're going to be in
0: heaven. Oh, I'm going I'm going to make my wife one of those tonight. She likes mojitos. I'm going to make her a shiso calamansi mojito. That's a great idea.
1: There's just so many cool directions you can go with this. Um It's really cool to have this in your culinary arsenal. It goes perfectly. My club members were basically begging me. They were writing me all the time. What vinegar do you recommend? And I could not really make a good recommendation. There wasn't one that I was like, I could get my, you know, support behind. So I was really happy to be able to, you know, collect and basically curate this collection of what I would typically put in my suitcase to bring home from my European road trips. That's kind of what kind of got this whole thing going.
0: This is so fun, and as you guys can hear, it's just it opens you up to this whole new culinary universe, and especially, and I'll put this in the show notes if you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast, or you could just go to greenfieldpantry.com because TJ made us a, a special URL, is you, you can get the olive oil if you want to try the olive oils, which I recommend to go along with the vinegars if your pocketbook permits, but man, I mean, if, if you already have tasted olive oils or you, you find the concept of olive oil kind of old news, this calamansi particularly like, man, just try a little bit of it. It's, it's amazing. It's like right around uh, a little under a hundred dollars to get like all four bottles, right?
1: Yes. It's four bottles for 98 bucks. It's a one-time thing. It's not a quarterly selection. It's only the one collection. It comes with the pressing report you talked about, which is filled with recipes. All my pictures from the road trip, we talked about a picture of the producers in the Philippines who actually grow the calamansi fruit for this German producer who makes this incredible calamansi vinegar. It's a fun culinary adventure. We'd love to have you come along.
0: All right, so tomorrow night, it's going to be the uh, pork chop with the parabalsamic and a little, little bit of a deglaze after the uh, the final sear. And I'm probably going to do just like a real basic, like onions, garlic, maybe a little bit of squash, and then uh, it's going to be a, a shrub style cocktail, or else one of these calamansi mojitos. And I'll, I'll probably drag out like a little bit of like a coconut vanilla ice cream, put a little balsamic on top of it. And I think I think we got dinner planned for tomorrow night. You want to you come join? Help <laughs> on a plane? I
1: think you do. I, I, right. I would be there. To heart be. Man, <laughs> that sounds incredible. Every course has vinegar in it. It's incredible. You know, it's just like there's no limits when it comes to this stuff, which is super cool.
0: Awesome, man. Well. This has been a pleasure. I, uh, I have to say this is the first time I've drank this much vinegar at my desk in the morning. I have no regrets at all. This is amazing. So again, folks, I'm going to put all the links at greenfieldpantry.com or also at bengreenfieldlife.com slash vinegar podcast. You can leave your comments, your questions, your feedback over there. And TJ, thank you once again for taking my palate for a wild roller coaster ride and for going out and hunting all this stuff down. Uh, It's
1: my pleasure. Thank you so much for your support. It means so
0: much. All right, folks, I'm Ben Greenfield, along with TJ Robinson, the olive oil slash vinegar hunter. Sign out from BenGreenfieldLife.com. Have an amazing week. All right. You may have heard the rumblings about this event as actually happening. So get out your calendar. March 10th through the 12th. March 10th through the 12th, 2023, of course, I am doing a big event in the hotspot of Sedona, Arizona. If you haven't been to Sedona, it's amazing. The hiking is amazing. The food is amazing. The energy is amazing. And my friend, two-time former podcast guest and an amazing expert in breathwork and self-discovery in movement and all the cool things that happen as far as like body, mind, spirit connection down there in Sedona is putting on an event, her grand opening event at this place called Shine in Sedona. And I'm going to be there giving a keynote talk, teaching you all about breathwork and biohacking. But that's not all. She has so many experts coming in. We have a freaking cacao ceremony. If you've never done a cacao ceremony, It's drinking really good chocolate in a very ceremonial way. You're going to love it. They got mind-body reset sessions using quantum energetic technologies, infrared rays, negative ion therapy, crystals, these special mats that you lay on as you do special forms of breath work. They've got a heart expansion coaching session where you actually learn using neurofeedback technology how to guide and modulate your nervous system. The list goes on and on, but what's cool is there's even a VIP dinner with me. I'm bringing my entire family to Sedona, and we are going to cook you a Greenfield-style home dinner right at a private location. It's a VIP part of this experience. Not only that, but my sister is going to be playing live music there, so the whole thing's just going to be amazing. Anyways, if you want to get in, we're only opening up the dinner to 25 guests, and Shine has limited space, so tickets are very limited for this. They're going to go fast. And again, it's coming up quick. March 10th through the 12th, you can fly into Phoenix if you need to get to the area. If you're already in Phoenix or the Sedona area, you know where you're going. So here's the address, bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash shine Sedona. That's bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash shine Sedona. You can get in, you can grab your ticket. There's different ticket levels. There's the tickets for the VIP dinner experience. You can even attend virtually at a fraction of the cost. If you can't make it there live, even though there's a lot of cool things happening, of course, if you are there live. So one more time, greenfieldlife.com forward slash shine Sedona. If you don't know how to spell Sedona, just go Google that shine Sedona. I hope to see you there. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed and often outside the box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be. And just find the Ben Greenfield life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.